1: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hi everyone. So we're coming up on back to school for those of us who have kids in school. I know we're still in a really unprecedented times working our way through this. So next week, I have pediatrician, Dr. Jennifer Bariste coming on the podcast to give some great information about COVID and kids, things to consider so you can make informed decisions for your family. If and when hybrid learning is an option versus home versus full time in school versus things you might have been going on in your own family or home, plus lots of other information too to help parents of younger kids also make some informed decisions to keep your family safe. So I'm really excited to have her on to share her experience and expertise with us. My very first guest, I get people contacting me all the time who want to come on the show and as of yet just haven't had a great fit that I felt was something Really great, really helpful for the audience. But I'm really excited to have Dr. Jennifer on next week. Second announcement is that the class of discipline tools for tweens and teens is up on the website. It's a great class, chock full of information about how discipline will shift as kids reach these years of 10, 11 plus. And towards adulthood and how discipline should empower them in learning to make solid decisions with our guidance and support. I cover lots of general information about this period of time, their growth and their development, as well as 10 key areas parents often struggle with during these years, such as money and chores, school and homework, dating and sex, cars and driving, and six other areas. I put a lot of work into this class. I'm really proud of it. I think it's really solid and comprehensive. I know a lot of you have younger kids, but some of you have been listening for a while and did have some older kids when you started, and these kids are now heading into these years. So. I'm really happy with the information I'm sharing in that class. I think you'll find a lot of helpful tips for getting through the adolescent years. So of course, that's on yourvillageonline.com under the tween teen page. But of course, all classes are available to all members regardless of which age group page you come in through or join from or click through. You do get to see the sample video of that, the introduction, the agenda for the class and learn some more about it if you go through the home page and then to the tween, teen page. But again, if you join as a member, you get access to all the classes, not just the ones for that age group, it's all of them. I'm also working diligently on a three-part series for co-parenting through divorce and beyond. Part one is now in production. Part two, script, is about 75% done. So we're expecting to roll those out, one after the other, pretty quickly, starting in about two weeks as well. So some really exciting stuff coming up. Ashley, who is my graphic designer and web design person extraordinaire, and she does tons of other stuff for me, just a really great person that works for my company, and I'm so happy to have her, and happy to have had her for the last, I don't know, she's been with me for over four years now. So she's been amazing and does a lot of work for me, so she's behind the scenes, so when you support me, you support my employees as well in our small business endeavors. So we've been focusing on these new classes. When those three classes are available, the co-parenting through divorce part one, two, and three, I will be doing a special episode, possibly even two on parenting through the separation and divorce process, because it's definitely a stressful situation in any way and form. And to be as grounded as you can to lead your kids through it is a real skill. With all the stress of the pandemic, separation and divorce is on the rise and will probably continue to be so for the foreseeable future. So this is a really timely series that's gonna be coming out. Okay, for the questions, the first one is about some separation anxiety from a two-year-old, even just around the house. The second question about lots of crying and upset over every little thing from a toddler. So we'll get to these questions now. First question. Hi, Erin. Love, love, love your podcast. I'm a long-time listener and have greatly appreciated all of your insights, so thank you. My question has to do with my two-year-old. He's having major mommyitis and is having extreme separation anxiety when I go anywhere. Even when I just leave the room to use the restroom, he runs after me crying. He tells me, don't leave me. I want you. I tell him that I want him too, and I'm not leaving him. I'm just using the restroom. If I do need to leave, I tell him that, and I will be back because grown-ups come back. Thank you, Daniel Tiger. He also wants me to do everything. Mommy has to change the diaper. Mommy has to buckle his car seat. Everything I tell him, it's okay if daddy or grandma does it because they can and they're trying to be kind and helpful, which then blows into a crying meltdown because he doesn't want them to do it. Help. I don't know what else I need to do to help him with this. Any advice would be appreciated. Thank you, Jessica. Okay, so this is a really straightforward, a quick answer question, and the next question is a lot more in depth, but I wanted to put this one with the other question because it's pretty quick. We can get to it, give lots of time for the next one, and still do two questions today, so they were a good fit together. So it's really common for toddlers to develop a preference for one parent over another. Most of the time this is mom, but not always. It's usually mom because mom is the one who just happens to be around more where the kids go to preschool, mom's home most of the time or part-time more so than dad's, just the way it works out in most families, but not always. So in order to work with him on this, you can work with his other two caretakers as well. So dad and grandma, choose the times and places where you want to set a boundary around having them help. So this is important for everyone, right? The child, the other caretakers, and the caretaker who tends to be the preference he needs to get comfortable in allowing other people to help. The parent who's constantly on call or on duty obviously will want to break sometimes, and for the child, he needs to build bonds with other people, with his dad, with his grandma, whoever else who happens to be a caretaker for him. They need and benefit from building the bond. So for those times you choose, whether it's the seatbelt, a bath, a bedtime, like one or two nights a week where it's someone else on duty for that, you want to set that boundary with empathy, And you're going to teach dad and grandpa the same thing. So you want to say something like, I know you would like me to help you with bath tonight, but daddy loves you too. And tonight is his night. Now his dad can tell him the exact same thing. I understand you love mommy. I do too. I know you prefer her help right now, but tonight is our night for bath and bedtime. Mommy will come in and say goodnight later. When you do this, it's easiest if you leave, even leaving the house altogether. So going for a walk, if you have a dog, that's great. Take the dog for a walk for 20, 30 minutes while dad does bedtime, does the bath, or a quick trip to the store. If you aren't around at all as a distraction, it will make it much easier for dad or grandma to take over. There'll be that little bit of a fit, little bit of a meltdown. Once it's done, it'll be done, and they'll move through it. And If you're not there and a distraction or they don't hear you downstairs, it makes it a lot easier for everyone. If it's a quick seatbelt in the car and grandma or dad takes him to the car and you're not close by, so you're in the bathroom finishing up or grabbing something from the kitchen, somewhere out of sight where you're not a distraction, where they're out front in the car, in the garage in the car, and you're just not there. You're giving them all this opportunity to work together and bond without you as a distraction, which greatly helps the toddler get accustomed to the idea and process of other people helping them to, to build that bond with other people and accepting their help so they can build that connection. For anyone dealing with separation anxiety and wants more information about separation anxiety in general as the stage, like the stages the kids go through, there's a four stages that they'll go through during each separation, ways to deal with it, understand why it's normal, understand why it's a good thing. If you're getting ready to take your kids back to preschool, or back to school, or back to a caretaker, out of the house, the class separation anxiety covers all the steps, the background information, ways to minimize it, help your toddler get more comfortable in new situations and with new people. And it can start to kick in around nine months. This is when they start to realize that people are separate and connect with people specifically. That's when it can start to come up. It will usually go through the age of about four-ish, off and on isn't constant but will come and go with some kids depending on their temperament it can come and go up until the age of seven not common but does happen so if you have a six-year-old and they're still going through it that is normal nothing to worry about but that's on the website yourvillageonline.com if you want to see the sample you can find it under the infant class page or the toddler preschool class page again all the classes for all the ages do come with any membership despite which page you go through to sign up so The next question is a bit more in-depth, has some more complicated answers to it, so I want to get to that so I have some more time to dig in a little deeper. So on to the next Jessica's question. So I just realized today's questions are actually both from mom's name, Jessica. So Jessica, this Jessica says, hi, Erin, thank you for all your advice and help. Without you, I would be lost. I have a two-year-old... I have a two-year, 10-month-old. Lately, she has been crying about everything. I don't know what to do, and my patience is running out. I give her choices, she starts crying. I count to three, she starts crying. We go to eat, and she doesn't want to eat anything, and she cries. There's no in-between getting mad or sad or any feelings I can relate it to, other than just not wanting to do things. I've asked her to stop or simply ignore her until she's done, but it stops for a bit and then starts again, and with something new. So for example, today she was crying because she didn't want the food she had taken a bite of and didn't want to swallow it. In these cases, do I ask her to swallow it or just spit it out? She cried for 20 minutes and didn't swallow it. We ignored her and asked her to come back when she was nice and polite again. She came back, acted normal, sat at the table, then started crying again. I removed her from her chair and said the same. When she calmed down, she could come back. She came back, apparently fine, two more times, and I had to remove her again. She finally sat down, ate a bit, When we were getting ready to go up to her bedroom, she then started to cry because we didn't wait for her. It's getting really annoying, and even when we ignore, it doesn't stop. She seems to get more upset when we ignore her, and and it lasts longer. Any advice would help us a lot. Regards from Guatemala. Okay, so there could be a couple different things going on here. It could simply be a personality thing, but I also feel like I need to First, address and have you look at some potentially more obvious culprits just in case. We don't want to ignore the obvious when it could just be something a little more mundane every day to fix. I'm going to get right to those the simple culprits, they're very common. And then I'm going to talk about the potential personality traits and ways to work on those as well when we get back after a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. Byheart is an easy to digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey to casein ratio, like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only US-made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about BiHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I want to feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code parenting for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code parenting at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Now that we're back after the break, let's get to the potential more basic culprits for a moody toddler. And then I'll discuss some of the personality traits that can also affect this. It could even be and likely is a combination of these. So, there might be some troubleshooting you're going to want to do for this process. So, first, I'm wondering how her sleep is. So, at three or almost three, right, two years, 10 months, sleep should be around 12 to 13 hours a day. That's usually divided up to around 10 and a half to 11 and a half hours at night and a one to two hour nap. So if she's doing 10 and a half at night, she'll be doing two during the day. If she's doing 11 and a half overnight, it might be closer to the hour, hour and a half during the day. So how is her sleep schedule? If she's not getting a solid 12 to 13 hours a day, definitely look into that. Or are you noticing she gets more weepy and upset during evening hours before bed or when she's due for a nap? This is also a possibility. When kids get tired, they just can't hold their emotions together anymore and everything just is a bummer for them. So this could be a contributor, so check into this. Also, moodiness is often caused by or exacerbated by being tired or hungry, right? So we covered the tired, you wanna check into that, or hungry. So you wanna make sure that these two things are well taken care of in order to minimize this moodiness. So is she hungry around snack time? Are you out shopping and there's not some food right available? Can you have some snacks ready for her? Is that a time that's triggering her? In addition, kids and all people actually have different personality traits to varying degrees. So I cover nine of these in the class on temperament, how to work with your child when they fall strongly on one end of the spectrum or the other for each trait. So each trait has a high end and a low end. So if your child falls on the high end of a trait, lots of tips and tools for that. If they fall on the low end of the trait, lots of tips and tools for that. If they fall in the middle, they're usually pretty easy in that trait and there's really no need to need to work or coach with them on that. From the description, it sounds to me like your daughter is very potentially what we call has a realistic mood type. So there are three main mood types, happy, serious, and realistic. I'm going to go through the description and I'm going to go through some other things that are also potential personality traits that could be affecting this. And you will know by hearing the descriptions, whether your daughter or for other people, your kids fall in these ends of the spectrum, but I'm going to give them to you so you can see what that is okay so for a realistic mood this child may become easily sad or frustrated this child can be more realistic about things meaning they don't sugarcoat things and this is something you may not start to see until they're a little bit older also the third one you'll notice when they're a little bit older they may have trouble keeping friends not because they're mean not because they can't share but it's just they don't sugarcoat things right they're not going to be people pleasers. And they're not always going to see the best and the happiest in every situation. They're just realistic, sometimes blunt, sometimes to the point. Um, something else, again, you won't see it until they're a little bit older. This is actually my older son. He's very much the realistic mood. Some people will call them pessimists. They're realists, right? Everything is, is very real. They just don't, they don't see the happy side of things very often. So I'm going to cover some tips on working with a child who has a realistic mood in a few minutes. But in addition... There's some other areas I think that Jessica's daughter may be exhibiting, and for other parents, you may want to hear these descriptions to see if you think your child falls in any of these areas of personality traits. So she, I also feel like she could be on the high end of feelings aware, the low end for adaptability, highly sensitive, and I'm going to talk about what all these are in a minute, high in rhythmicity, and higher end for intensity. She probably doesn't have all of these, and without knowing her, I don't know. That's why I'm gonna read the description so that you as parents can see where your own child falls, knowing them, you know, they're day in and day out. And then again, falls towards a more realistic mood rather than the upbeat, positive, happy mood. So I'm gonna go over the description for each of these and see where they fit. And then I'm gonna go over the tips for kids who have this more realistic mood, plus some additional tips for helping kids through some emotional struggles after I go through these. For kids with high, or that are highly feelings aware, they tend to act on their feelings rather than thinking things through. So these are the kids who are kind of falling apart over stuff, right? Or getting angry right away rather than thinking things through. But in addition, they can be very caring and sympathetic. So if you have a child who's really caring and very sympathetic but also tends to kind of go from 0 to 60 when it comes to emotions... They may be highly feelings aware. They also can use words to tell how they feel and they may easily get their feelings hurt. So if your child has all three of these, they're highly feelings aware. That's actually my younger son. He gets very hurt. His feelings get hurt very easily. He's very sweet, very caring, very loving, but he also would go from zero to 60. He gets mad in an instant. He gets sad in an instant. He just, he cries at the drop of a hat. Very highly feelings aware. Those are these kids. Low in adaptability. Okay, these are kids who prefer the familiar. They become shy with new people and places. They like their toys, their room, and their teachers to remain the same. They just don't like change. They need more time to deal with changes. So sometimes the moodiness can come out in these new situations around new people. It'll just make them more irritable. So this is another reason that some children might be more irritable or get upset easily in certain situations. So again, you'll know if your child fits all of those or three of the four. Higher in sensitivity. So sensitivity level on a child. This is the amount of reaction to physical stimuli, not emotional stimuli, this is physical. So noises, light, touch. A highly sensitive child learns by seeing, touching, and using their senses. They become fussy around loud noises and bright light. So they're highly sensitive. They can be very cuddly and sometimes clingy. So again, too much stimulation, too much light, too much noise, too much stuff happening movement. They can make the child act in this way. Irritable, clingy, crying, moody. Rhythmicity is the predictability of daily patterns in sleeping, eating, and eliminating. So a child who is highly rhythmic, they may get cranky, if he or she does not eat and sleep at the same time every day. So this might be playing a part as well. They can get upset when their day doesn't go as usual, as planned. So if you have a specific schedule for the day and it gets upset by something else going on or something gets moved around, they don't handle it so well. They may have a favorite toy or cup that they always have to use or have with them, and they will likely have their daily bowel movements on a schedule. Intensity, another thing that can affect the mood, Is or mood expression is the level of emotional expression. So a highly expressive or an intense child may yell or cry over small things, may have trouble taking turns or letting other children choose a game, and they can be good at talking you into things. So that's a highly expressive child or an intense child. So as you can see, depending on which of these traits she fits, and you want her to fit into at least Three of the four. If they're four of the four, you, you know they fall either really highly onto that trait or low onto that trait like I've described, right? You want a majority of those cases to be true, three out of the four. If it's one or two, not so much. So for Jessica or any other parents who recognize their child in these descriptions, you're struggling with behaviors related to those them falling into those descriptions and traits and the way they're reacting, You'll wanna check out the temperament class to learn exactly how to help your unique child with these traits to make life smoother for them and for you, to help them build their skills, helping them share their feelings and emotions appropriately and helping create an atmosphere that is more conducive for them being able to do that. So it's hard to tell which of these characteristics Jessica's daughter really falls into without really knowing her more fully as a person and her day-to-day interactions. So. I'm gonna cover the tips for working with a child who has a realistic mood type, for anyone dealing with that, and hopefully this will be a place for Jessica to start, in addition to making sure that the sleeping and the eating schedules are on track, she's not getting too tired and too hungry. So for kids who are more realistic, I cover four key areas for each of the traits, like I said, who fall on one end or the other of the traits. So for rhythmicity, if they're high in rhythmicity, you get the four areas to help guide them, or in the case of really low rhythmicity, I cover four areas for helping your child in that area. In this case, I'm about to go over, I cover the three moods. So I covered all four of these areas for all three moods. Happy, serious, realistic. So realistic, family and friends. With family and friends, you wanna share stories with happy endings. So this is if you have a child who tends to have that really realistic mood to help them open up their view of the world and see things not always quite so realistic. I give them a little bit more of a rose colored glasses, so to speak. Right, they 're never going to always see everything from a different perspective as this happy go lucky type person, but you 're going to help expand that for them a little bit. So you want to share family stories with happy endings. you want to involve them in play groups and encourage friendships with many children. Now, right now, this isn't something you're probably going to do quite as much, but yeah, but if she has a friend or two that tend to be a little more happy on the happier end, exposing her to those is definitely going to be helpful. You want to give them some notice before outings to discourage negative reactions, right? You're going to talk about the great thing about the outing, the fun things that you're going to do. Give some notice and talk it up. Allow everyone to share good things that happened that day during the mealtime or before bedtime. Now for school and learning. Now she's uh, not quite three, so I'm not sure how much school and learning she's getting, but for maybe some parents with kids who are into that age group. Here's what you want to do school and learning. If you have a child with a realistic mood type, you want to ask him or her to tell you about something fun they did at school that day. Find books in which characters solve problems with a positive attitude. Ask the teacher to assist her in developing friendships. Let teachers know that she may get moody or fussy and find a daycare or preschool with with a nurturing atmosphere and culture. Guidance and discipline. You want to talk to your toddler about positive, happy things in their life. You want to tell them when you see them enjoying an activity and being happy. Let your child know that you appreciate them. Recognize that your child may be crankier or smile less and increase your efforts to cuddle with them. Okay, activities and leisure. You want to involve your child who has more realistic mood in fun activities with other children. Encourage your child to play games without complaining about fairness participate in fun activities together and talk it up right talk about how fun it is talk about how much fun you're having talk about how silly it is you want to avoid television and movies with sad themes and unhappy endings now luckily for really little kids most things are going to have some pretty happy endings you're not going to have anything too sad but just be aware of that additional tips You wanna be sure to use empathy when she's struggling. I understand you're feeling sad or angry or frustrated, neglected about the situation because we didn't wait for you. And then give additional details. It doesn't mean we don't love you. We knew you would catch up in a minute when you were done chasing the butterfly, something like that. All of this will depend on the scenario. Of course, it could be, I can see you're feeling sad because you aren't ready to make a choice. I wanna give you practice and a chance to make your own choice. But if it upsets you, I can just make the choice this time and we can try again next time, right? So kind of really help scaffold her, which is building a foundation for her, supporting her to the level that she needs in that moment, and then taking that away over time as she gets more confident in that. You want to use positive reinforcement. So you want to focus on the positive, really work on those tools when she does something well, when she's in a good mood, when she handles something without getting upset about it. I can see you really enjoying the meal we made tonight. You're being so positive, something like that. Give lots of positive reinforcement when she makes a choice for herself or follows through with the one, two, three without crying, right? You wanna just give that positive feedback so that she gets that into her understanding that, oh, this is helpful, this is nice. And she knows what you like her to do and what's helpful to you. And so then she will start to do more of that. As far as the food, this is a judgment call. So I think it's okay to let her spit it out. Is she just gonna sit there and cry? Just say, it's okay, you tried it. Thank you for trying it. If you really don't like it, teach her how to just, Spit it out nicely into a napkin and throw it away. But I know you don't want to set that precedent either. So giving her a few minutes if she won't swallow it, I'm actually surprised she didn't spit it out on her own, but it's okay to say, I can see you really don't want to swallow. Here's how we politely spit out food we don't want to swallow. So you know we've all had this, the tough piece of meat or something weird that we crunch down on in our food and I don't want to swallow it either. So I just politely put it in my napkin and get rid of it. So again, The tweens and teens class is up on the website. Really excited about that. Our co-parenting through separation and divorce, three-part series coming out. And next week, Dr. Jennifer will be on as well. So some great stuff coming up. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.